As we look at the text this morning here in Luke 19, uh, this will be our last Sunday in, in Luke until uh, the coming of the new year in 2019. Uh, we will be taking a break for uh, our Advent season, our introduction to Advent next uh, Sunday as well. It's hard to believe it's that time of year, but it is, and uh, so we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, but this morning as we, we look at this text, I just want to ask you just, just a question to begin. Um, are, are you making your life count for the glory of God? Are you making your life and the opportunities that God's given you, the time that God's given you, the talents that God's given you, the gifts, the treasures that God has given you, are, are you investing it for the kingdom and the glory of God this morning? I, I think that's the big idea this morning in our text. Um, as a middle school student, I remember sitting in a movie theater and watching uh, the movie Dead Poets Society. Uh, it, it became actually one of my, my favorite movies. As I look back and I watch it today, I sit there and think and I wonder why that was. Um, but I think the reason was is because there was, a, there was a, a, a saying in it that, that stuck with me. And it stuck with me for, for over the years. And it's a Latin phrase. And uh, it's really the only Latin I've, I've known. It's only because of this movie. Um, and it's carpe diem. That, that phrase carpe diem, right? Seize the day. And, and I think the text this morning communicates that, that. That we need to seize the day, to seize the opportunity, seize the moment that God has gifted to us with the life that he's given us for his glory and for his kingdom. And so today, as we look at this text, that's really the big idea I want to go after, I want us to see. And so if you would, turn with me here, Luke 19, verse 11, the text that Jacob read for us this morning. Um, you remember last week, Kevin preached for us, and he talked about Zacchaeus, right? Uh, beautiful text, a story of a man who has his life changed, um, and radically changed, and we see the change. Uh, and so that seems to be the context too. And so look at verse 11 while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately, that the kingdom of God was imminent. And, and, and so here in this text, Jesus is probably sitting, maybe still eating with Zacchaeus, it seems. There seems to be a mixed crowd of people hanging around. Uh, disciples, no doubt, were with Jesus. Uh, Tax collectors, maybe some of Zacchaeus' friends, religious leaders, they always were buzzing around. They were observing maybe the meal. And where was Jesus? He, he was close to Jerusalem. He was nearing Jerusalem. We've seen that over the coming weeks, on through Jericho and so on. And so here he's getting close to Jerusalem. And he is probably talking about his suffering. We've seen him talk about that in Luke 18 with his disciples, his rejection that's going to take place in Jerusalem. He's probably talking about his future return as well. We're going to see that a little bit in the parable also. But there's some clarification that's needed because his disciples, along with others, the idea of the Messiah carried with it that someone would come and overthrow Rome. And so Jesus is clarifying the kingdom, is clarifying not only the kingdom, but, but 
When will Jesus come and set up his kingdom? The disciples think we get near Jerusalem and this is going to be his time, right? He, he is going to become king. He's going to overthrow Rome. And so they're thinking, this is coming. This is coming soon. This is coming any day as we get closer to Jerusalem. And so Jesus is going to talk about this postponement of the kingdom, which we obviously see in the parable as well. And so these things are being talked about, discussed, and we're going to see some of those things come to play in this little story that he's going to share that teaches us a big idea this morning. And so look at verse 12. As Jesus begins to share this parable, he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And so he begins the parable and he sets it up for us with this nobleman. He's going to go to this distant land, this distant country for a while, and then he's going to come back. He's going to return. Now, in this parable, who is Jesus talking about? Who is he talking about as the noble man? I I believe himself. Now, Jesus was well-loved. He was well-respected by some, but he was also hated. He was opposed and rejected by others. And we're going to see that ramp up in the remainder of this gospel writing. But Jesus is this noble man that he is communicating about in this story. And he goes to a distant country. What might that represent, the distant country? I believe in the context of this parable, he's talking about heaven. That Jesus is going to go away. What's interesting is we think about this parable and what's going to happen in the remainder of Luke 19, 20, 21 and on. As it keeps going, what we're going to find out in just a week's time from when Jesus is sharing that these things are going to start ramping up. Jesus is going to go, and he's going to be, uh, suffer, rejected. He's going to uh, be hung on a cross. He's going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to be resurrected. And when he's resurrected, he will spend 40 days here on earth in his resurrected body, and then he will ascend to heaven. So these things are ramping up. And we know when Jesus ascends, he goes to heaven to be with God. And so here we kind of have that in picture, that in view in this story. But this return, what will this be like? Jesus will one day return from heaven. And so here we are in that age, that time span where Jesus has ascended to heaven, but now we wait for his return. The the king, right? Jesus, he has gone, but he is going to come again and receive his kingdom, his rightful reign. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19, about Jesus as king of a kingdom. And that's the picture of this parable this morning. This, this king who has gone away, who will come again to take up his rightful throne and rightful reign. Revelation 19, verse 11 says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness. He judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, and on his robe, on his thigh, he has a name written. And that name is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, when Jesus returns again, that is how he will come. That's how he's coming. He will come from that distant country. He will come from heaven 
and he will return again here to earth. And so as we begin this parable, I want us to think that way. As we take this story, right, that is a story that Jesus shared, as we think of it in spiritual terms, as we think about it in the kingdom of God, this is what Jesus wants us to think about. And so these things are ramping up for Jesus. It's, it's getting close, weeks away, okay? And so look as the story continues. Look at verse 13. It says here, And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minyas and said to them, Do business with this until I come back. So verse 12, we have this king. He has a kingdom. It's rightfully his. One day he will come and, and reign in all power. But until then, there's business to be done. God's business. And so in the story, what do we see here? Before he goes to this distant country, this noble man entrusts to his servants, 10 right here, he gives them equal responsibility for advancing his interest while he is absent, while he is gone. And what does he give them? He gives them a minya each. Okay? A minya was equivalent uh, to about three months worth of wages. Okay? About 100 days worth of of wages. And so, uh, what would that be equivalent maybe to today? Let's just say, let's just take the number 15 grand, right? 15,000, and say, okay, he's given each of these 10 servants, okay? He's given them 15 grand each before he goes away, okay? And so, what are they given? They're given the same amount. And as we think about this amount this morning, what I want us to think about, they're given the same opportunity. I want us to think about the word opportunity because I think that is what God has given us all. He's given us the same opportunity. Those who are his servants, his disciples, his followers, he's given us the same opportunity. And so here in, in this story, what, what is this business? What is this opportunity that God has given us? He's given these servants in the story this money, what are they going to do with this money? How are they going to invest it? What about us? What, what's the business that God wants us to be about? I want us to think about what's, what's the last words of Jesus after he has died, is buried, resurrected, was here for 40 days here on earth, before he ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples something significant, something very important as he commissioned them. We find that in Matthew 28, a familiar text to maybe some of us this morning. But Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, all authority has been given to me, he says, in heaven and on earth. And then he says, go, therefore, and do something. What is that? Make disciples of all the nations, of all the different ethnic groups all over the world, every tribe, every tongue, every nation baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then he gives us a promise. He says, lo, and I will be with you even to the end of the age. And so, what's the business that God has given to you and I as his servants? It's to make disciples. It's to make disciples. And guess what? He's given all of us the same opportunity to do that. The same opportunity, just as he did with these servants. He's given them the same opportunity. 
He's given you and I the same opportunity. Now, there's differing talents in here. There's differing people with different amounts of treasures. There's differing people in here um, with different spiritual gifts. Yes, but we all have been given the same opportunity. The business of God is this. When we look at Jesus, what was he about? He was about the glory of the Father. That's what his life was about. And he was about making more worshipers of the Father. That's why he was here on earth. It was about the glory of God. And that's God's business. God's business is about his name and the advancement of his name. He is passionate about his glory. You may hear that this morning. You may think, well, time out for a second. That seems a little ego-centered. Well, here's the deal. You want God to be about nothing else than his glory. Because if he's about something else, then, then something's off. Because there is no greater thing. There is nothing greater. And you want the God of the universe, you want your God to be about the greatest treasure of all. You want him to be about the greatest name of all. And he is about his glory. He is passionate about his glory. And that's what Jesus was passionate about. That was the business of Jesus. Was spreading a passion for the supremacy and the sovereignty and the glory of God. And in doing that, making disciples, followers, who do the same, who live for the name and the glory of God. And that's our business. Guys, that's why we were created. Every single one of us were created for the glory of God. That's why I get excited when I see these families up here, these little ones. Every single one of them, even though different kids with different names, they've all been given the same opportunity to invest, right, into their kid a passion for the name, the supremacy, and the glory of God. They're to live out the glory of God. I mean, that, we've all been given the same opportunity to do that with our lives. And that's what Jesus came to do. And, and so how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, Jesus said, I want you to make disciples. I want you to make worshipers of God. I want you to make followers of me, of Jesus. That's our business. And so are we investing in that with the talents, the times, the treasures, the opportunities that we have? Are we seeking to make followers of Jesus? That's our business. That's what he's left to us. That's what he's left to us. We didn't have a choice in that. So, so you know, you'd be thinking in there, you know, man, I, I wish you would have left me a, a little different business. I would have a little different. Well, no, no, that's his business. And that's what he wants us all to be about. And it's the same. It's the same. It's the same. And so look at verse 14. All right, so he gives these to these slaves, 10 slaves. Each get a minya, all right? Each 15 grand or so. And you gotta go work the business. You gotta go invest for the king's business. But look at verse 14. Not only are there servants, it says, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. This noble man was not also liked, right? There are those that didn't like him. Same thing with Jesus, okay? There are people who didn't like Jesus. Who's this namely talking about? The Jews. They hated him. He... Rage and anger would be stirred up. 
because of Jesus. Because they hated him, because he, he claimed to be the Messiah, because he claimed to be God. And so the religious leaders, the, the, the Jews here, are the citizens in this story. And so you're going to see the hate ramp up. No doubt Jesus is telling them this story to let them know, hey, this, this is going to be real. This is going to be evident, right, in the coming week, in the present time when Jesus is talking. But look what happens. What happened with these in opportunities, this treasure that were given to these servants. Look at verse 15 through 17. It says this, when he returned, so when the king comes from this distant country and he comes back, it says, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they, (laughs) excuse me, they had done. The first appeared saying, Master, your minya has made ten minyas for uh, more. And he said to him, well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be in authority over ten cities. And so this noble man returns. He has the servants come and give an account of their investment. The first one comes up. And he says, what did you do? Right? How did you invest this money that was given to you, what, what return do you have? And he added 10 minions. So think about that. In money terms, if you have 15 grand, that's now 150,000. And so what do we see here when it speaks to us? I think we need to know that we will all give an account. We will all give an account. It's evident in this text. To those who invest well will be given more responsibility and what is he given? He's given 10 minyas more, or he, he has made 10 minyas more. Um, but what is he given? Look at verse 17. You are to be an authority over 10 cities. Let's think about that for a second. This guy's a slave. This guy's a servant, right? And Jesus gives him this treasure, this opportunity, and he invests it, right? He, he did well with it. It did well. And then he's given authority over 10 cities. That's huge. Talk about a promotion, right? That's big time. As we're faithful with a little, right? As we're good stewards with our time, our talents, our possessions, our treasures, right? As we're good stewards with those, God gives us more responsibility. And also in the coming kingdom. I think it's true here on earth. I think he'll give us more opportunities, but also In the coming kingdom, we will be rewarded accordingly. And so what are we doing? All right, what what are we doing with the business that God wants us to be about? Of making disciples until he returns. I think God gives us little opportunities throughout the day. They're all around us. And so what do we do with them? What do we do with them? Are, Are we even aware of that? I think that's the first point, is that we've got to be aware that we've been given the opportunity and we've been commissioned to make disciples. And I think we've got to be aware of that. And it gives us those little opportunities. And as God gives you a little more, as we're faithful in obedience, okay, and so on, more opportunities come. So, so here's what this looks like in the area of discipleship. Myself and the staff, we've been learning this over the last couple of months or so. We, we've been going through some training and and just really, what does it mean to make disciples 
And part of that training is we've been going out um, across the street to Autumn uh, Chase. And as we do, one of the things we found is a lot of people are home between 1 and 2.30. Right? That's the first thing we found. I didn't know that. But if you were to ask me what's your favorite time to go out, I would say around 1 o'clock in the afternoon because people are home. And so we will go and we will share. Not everybody must talk, okay? Uh, some do. We have seen people reject the gospel message, but we have also seen people accept the gospel message, which has been awesome. This has been amazing. Um, we have seen people who are open not only to receiving the message, but to being disciple. And so part of our training has been to go and disciple those who respond to the gospel. And so we have even done that. We've even not only had staff, but some of our members go back and be able to disciple some people. But I will say this, it's not easy. I mean, some, of the, some are open, but then the, the door kind of shuts and you don't hear back from them. You don't hear back from them. I think one of the things this text communicates, right, we gotta be careful here, um, because we're gonna see it with the next servant, does it mean, in fact, let me just, just tell you what happens here. Uh, I probably got to read it before I, I got in my head of myself, and so just excuse me. <laughs> but in verse 18, the second came. I'll finish the point I was going to make. The second came, the second servant, saying, Your minya, master, has made five minyas. And he said to him also, And you are to be over five cities. So think about this for a second. Does this mean automatically that this second guy was... Uh, not as faithful as the first guy? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay? I think what I see in this text is I see two guys that were obedient, that were faithful, all right? I think there's different degrees of faithfulness. You bet. You bet. But in the area of disciple making, here's what God just wants, obedience. You know that? Because because the results are not up to you and I. And I hope that just makes you go, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Because those people who maybe are open to discipleship or open to, to knowing what it means to follow Jesus, but then all of a sudden kind of check out, I mean, that happens, but that's not because necessarily of us. And so when you think about this first servant, the second servant, man, they were both faithful. They're both obedient, okay? Now, the result of the investment, it may be different, 10 million. Now, the second one, 5 million, so, or 5 million. Wow, 5 million, that'd be great. So, but it goes from 150 to, to 75,000. Does, does that mean that this second guy was less faithful? I, I don't think necessarily that's the case. And so I think it is with us as well. God wants us to be faithful with the opportunities that we have. And so, don't waste your life. Don't waste the opportunities that you have every day to make a good investment for the kingdom and the glory of God. They are all around you. All around you. And so be faithful. Be faithful. And so I think that means we've got to be good stewards with the opportunities that we have individually, with our family, collectively, as God gives them to us as a church. We want our lives to count, Lord. We want to make good investment 
with the opportunities you give us. And then look at the last servant here in verse 20. It says this. <coughs> Another came saying, Master, So, Master, here is your minya, which I kept put away in a handkerchief, right? Now, the over 30 crowd in here, you know what a, you know what a handkerchief is. <laughs> below 30, maybe below 20. I, do, who, let, me, let me do this. Let me just do a quick poll, all right? Who in here? And this is okay. If you don't, this, you're just helping us. There's, there's nothing wrong if you don't. But what's a handkerchief? How many of you don't know what a handkerchief is? You, you hear handkerchief and you don't know what it is. Okay, cool. Man, you, are the, you might be the only honest soul in this room this morning. <laughs> right? Paul would come to you and say, don't let people look down on you because you're an example of faith and purity and speech. So well done. Well done. And you've, you've modeled that this morning for all of us. So thank you. <sighs> a handkerchief. I'll explain that in a second in some vivid way. Hold on a second. Um, so he, this third one comes, says, Master, here's your minya, which I kept put away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you. So are you checking this out, this third servant? I'm fearful of you, Master and King, because you are an exacting man. God, thank you. You are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay, lay down and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him back, so this is the master back to the servant, by your own words I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put my money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. So this third guy, right, takes the minya, the 15 grand, he puts it in the handkerchief and hides it away, stores it away, okay? So a handkerchief, right? My dad growing up had handkerchiefs. I always wondered why. I'm like, that, isn't that kind of gross, you know? <laughs> you're just, you're taking, you're taking a handkerchief and you're blowing your nose. I mean, that's what you do with a handkerchief. In most cases, maybe you do other things gross with it. So, and then you put it back in your pocket, Right? You put it back in your pocket, and I'm like, all right. So I always saw my dad, I'm like, dude, that's, that's just interesting. Um, my father-in-law had him as well um, up until even he passed away. He always had a handkerchief with him. And so, um, but um, that's, I guess that's what guys do with it. I, handkerchiefs were obviously used for other things, and pastors use them to wipe off the, the sweat from their brow, and they get all hot and heavy. So, um, but... He wrapped it and put it in a handkerchief. So it's kind of like this. It's kind of like if, if we've been given some money. Say we've been given an inheritance. And, and we took the inheritance and we maybe stick it under our mattress or something. Or in the sock drawer and hide it away. And that's what this third guy did. Why? Why did he do that? Because he had a view of his master and king that was False. He thought he was harsh. He thought he was rigid. He thought he was a tough master. He had a false view of the king. And some of us may be like that. We, we, 
and I want you to know this this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you've been given an inheritance, a great inheritance. Because of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have been given a great inheritance. And so what have we done with that? Have, have we put it in a handkerchief and done nothing with it? And it may be because maybe we've never truly been discipled, and so maybe we just don't know, right? Or, or maybe we do, but maybe we're fearful that we won't do it right. Maybe we're afraid to, to step out by faith. I mean, there could be many different things. Maybe we have this view of God that is faulty and wrong, whatever it may be. But here's what I want you to hear this morning. In the kingdom of God, sin is always not just bad things. Sometimes sin is doing nothing at all, right? And, and I think that's what we see here. This guy did nothing. Nothing. He did nothing. And so in verse 22, the slave's very words of excuse convict him. Convict him. Because this guy, there may be some fear legitimately here, I don't know, but it's a false view of who his master is. And, in, and instead of being led with some diligence, he's lazy. This guy's flat out lazy. And his words convict him and tells him in verse 22, if you really would have thought that this king, this master was a hard man, and you thought that this king wanted to take and harvest something that somebody else had worked for, if you knew that's what the king wanted, then I think the king's basically saying in verse 22, why didn't you at least give it to the bank if you thought that way? Make some interest. And so I think in verse 22, he's basically calling him a liar. I think he's saying, you didn't really care what I was like. You simply wanted to live your own lifestyle, ignore your spiritual opportunity for no other reason than your own desire. So he did nothing. He did nothing with what God had given him. And so here, here's some thoughts this morning about this because I, I think the big idea here is that, hey, we all have the same opportunity and what are we doing with that? So my question to you this morning and to myself, what have we done with our Christian life? What have we done with our faith? And so the answer may be this. For some of us this morning, we will say, well, I go to church sometimes, okay? And, and that's your answer. That's the equivalent of your answer. I, I go to church sometimes, okay? The average church attendance, okay, of a member of a church today is 50%. Let that sink in for a second. Okay? And so, if that's the equivalent of our answer, would you not agree with me this morning that that's taking dominion and putting it in a handkerchief? If that's the equivalent of your answer to your Christian life right now? I, I think so. Um, maybe this is you. I, I got baptized, but I really haven't become a member of the church, I, I'm not learning, I, I'm not growing, I'm not regularly reading my, my Bible, I'm not giving generously to the cause of the gospel, and so I'm just kind of stuck right now. And so it's kind of the same thing of, of, man, I'm just putting my, invest, you know, my inheritance in the handkerchief. 
maybe some of us are here this morning and we don't know what to do next, right? What, what do I do next, right? I, I want to encourage you this morning. My, my big challenge to you this morning is don't stuff away the opportunity that God has given you by bringing you here to the ridge, by bringing you to hear the gospel, by bringing you to, to hear the teaching of God's word each week and just sit, right? And just sit. Man, but, but start somewhere this morning. Be encouraged this morning to take, right, that inheritance that Christ has given you out of the handkerchief. Say, okay, listen, I'm going to start with the first step, right? I just want to encourage you. Take a first step. And this morning, that may be for you is, man, I want to I start reading my Bible, right? That, that's, I want to start reading God's Word, and I want to start learning about Him. And maybe... You want some help with that, and you want to take a step into a relationship, uh, an accountability relationship. You want somebody to start discipling you. Maybe it's stepping into a life group and say, I want to get into a small group of believers, and I want to start growing together with these people and do life together and learn what it means to, to follow the Lord together. And so it's starting like that. Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, you know what? I've been sitting here long enough, and, and I need to start serving in some certain way and doing something for the kingdom of God, and let me start in this church by, by serving. And so maybe it's that this morning, but we've got to take it out of the handkerchief, basically, and stop just stuffing it away this morning. And so I think for all of us, it's a challenge. And then look at verse 24 through 27. He says, then he said to the bystanders, take the minya away from him, give it to the one who has the ten minyas, and they said to him, Master, he has ten minions already. They don't think that's fair. And so I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Right? So the minion is taken away. So this is serious stuff here. You just, you just got taken away this minion, this 15 grand, and now it's going to be given to the guy who has 10. And I think the simple message is here, do not waste the opportunity given to you. Do not. I think for Zacchaeus, if you think about Zacchaeus, if Zacchaeus is hanging around and listening to this and hearing this, right? Do you not think he's greatly encouraged at this point? Because immediately, immediately, he starts making changes, right? And no doubt he's encouraged as a new disciple, a new believer as he's hearing this. And then lastly, verse 27, those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over. So those citizens, back in verse 14, bring them here and slay them in my presence. It's a reality of the judgment of God. And I think what we've got to learn from this text is that all are accountable down to every individual for what we do, one, with the gospel, right? In verse 27, they rejected the gospel. They rejected Jesus as king. They reject, rejected him as savior, as Messiah. What about us this morning? Where are we? How, how have we responded to Jesus and to his gospel? Have we accepted Jesus as our Lord and savior? Have we believed? Have we trusted? Have we placed our faith in Jesus as our savior this morning? We're all held accountable to that. Salvation is by grace alone. You can't earn it. 
right? It is a gift from God that we must receive by faith, by faith. So have you believed this morning? Second, those who have believed, we will be held accountable for what we did with our time, our talents, our treasures, our gifts, the opportunities that God has given us. What are we doing with our time here on earth? Are we investing in the kingdom of God for the glory of God? And if Jesus, thirdly, returned today, what would he think of our investment? What would he think? Would he say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? I mean, that's what we want to hear. That's our motivation. That's our motivation. Would he say that to us? And so as we close this morning, the first opportunity with today, and that's what I love about the, the scripture. It talks about today. It talks about now. I mean, that's, that's, that's what this is about. It's about today. What are, have we done today when it comes to Jesus? Have you believed? Have you trusted in Jesus? If you haven't, today, that's what the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Turn to him and trust in him. Do not wait. Do not wait. All right? Let's pray.